The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. We absolutely support Israel's right to defend itself in line with international law. We need to safeguard financial stability. 2024 is not going to be an easy year. We used to call it the dream of home ownership. But look at Britain now. We've got to hang on to optimism and hope because it is the biggest driver of change. Let's stop thinking of life in terms of Brexit. Let's move on and look for the future. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm James Walcock. So we spent the first half of this week on the podcast talking about chaos caused by Speaker Lindsay Hoyle's intervention on the Gaza ceasefire vote. The unsaid but obvious consequence is that we never actually got to see how serious divisions within the Labour Party actually were at this particular moment. But then next week we're going to have this by-election in Rochdale, which is increasingly being derailed by the issues in the Middle East. So joining us now to dig in a little bit deeper on the story in Rochdale and the wider political implications is Bloomberg's associate editor, Alva Ray. Welcome to Bloomberg uh, Politics. How uneasy do you think Labour unity on the starts towards the war in between Israel and Hamas really is right now? Because it does seem to be shifting. Well, as you were just saying, Caroline, this wasn't tested this week because of the shenanigans in the House of Commons, Lindsay Hoyle choosing to accept the Labour amendment. We didn't have a vote on the SNP motion to expose these Labour divisions. And I would say there's quite a lot of relief at the top of the Labour Party that they didn't have this tested. So we don't know for certain because we don't have numbers on it. I would say that the people around Keir Starmer and David Lammy, the Shadow Foreign Secretary, would say that they are now in a position that unites everyone, that they've given the MPs who were upset about this, what they wanted, which was the words immediate and ceasefire beside each other. Um, so they have a united position. But even yesterday, I was in Parliament speaking to people who say that they still don't feel like the line on, on Gaza has been quite right. So that, that's sort of where it is. I'd say it's still a bit uneasy. The people at the top of the Labour Party want to have a line that they think they could have in government that would allow them to still be able to pick the phone up to Benjamin Netanyahu and lobby him on the inside. They're trying to act like a government in waiting, but it is still upsetting a lot of people within the Labour Party. So for anyone who's not been following, next week we're going to get this big by-election in Rochdale. It's a former Labour safe seat. And given we had these two by-elections last, a few weeks ago that were completely massive swings to Labour, you would think it would be a sort of simple slam dunk. Why has it become so interesting? Oh, well, James, this should have been the easiest slam dunk of all of them, because this is a safe Labour seat, as you say, held by a very well-liked man called Tony Lloyd for decades. He sadly died of cancer a few weeks ago, so mm. that's why this by-election has been held. This should have been a sort of a, a coronation for a new Labour MP there who would be the new Labour MP there for decades in a very safe seat. Um, that has not happened. The Labour candidate who was selected as our ally 
uh, was recorded, revealed in this leaked recording, um, saying some anti-Semitic things at an internal party meeting, which was leaked to the Daily Mail. He has been deselected as the Labour candidate, but unfortunately that decision to deselect him was taken too late to take him off the ballot paper as a Labour candidate or to replace him, which means that if you're in Rochdale voting next week, you will still see Azar Ali mm. Labour on the ballot paper, even though Labour isn't going to campaign for him. The people in Rochdale who work for the Labour Party are banned from campaigning for him, and the only people campaigning for him are a, f- a handful of a rumored handful of people who are who are his friends essentially, and it means if if he happens to win, Labour will just have to suspend him immediately, and he'll be an independent. So they mm. don't actually have a candidate. Yeah, and this is, you know, a seat that, that Labour won, you know, um, with more than 9,000 votes in terms of um, their majority. What does it mean then for the odds of another candidate, and in particular the controversial George Galloway, to get back into Parliament? Yes, so, as you say, George Galloway is a controversial character. He was once a Labour MP. Mm. He was suspended... A long time ago. A long time ago. Suspended in, I think, 2003 for opposition to the Iraq War. In the time since, he has often stood as an independent and won against the Labour Party. He causes them no end of problems. And he's accused by his critics of cozying up to dictators and associating with people who have displayed anti-Semitic behaviour. He has won in Bethnal Green in 2005 against Labour. He won a by-election in 2012 against Labour. He also stood two years ago in Batley and Spen, another by-election against Labour, and Labour only narrowly held on there. So here, where Labour is not campaigning for their candidate and where there are deep divisions over the the, the position on Gaza, some upset in Muslim communities, of which there's a big one in Rochdale. It looks as though George Galloway is is possibly going to capitalise on that and and win this by election. I mean, Albert, as someone who's very or clued he in, might win this oh, sorry, by election. He might win. As someone who's like, you're very clued into the mood in the Labour Party. Mm. Keir Starmer has had success after success after success over the past few years. He looks almost indomitable. Does this by election represent as a bigger issue the real tests that Gaza and the situation there has become for him and his leadership? So it it can't be a perfect test because we don't know what would happen if Labour actually did mount a proper campaign in in Rochdale. They're not allowed to campaign for Azhar Ali anymore. So we don't know what would happen. That in, in and of itself is very embarrassing for them, that they didn't do their due diligence, that they've ended up with this candidate who they had to then suspend immediately. And it's not just a shoe in into Parliament and he's going to be a great Labour MP for the next two decades. If he wins, he'll be an independent and they'll get someone ne- someone else for the general election. So it's not a perfect test of it, but George Gallagher and other people standing in Rochdale do want this to be a referendum on Labour's position on Gaza. And it is a fact that Muslim communities are upset uh, with Labour's position on Gaza. You might remember when the attacks in Israel first happened, Keir Starmer gave an interview where he said that Israel had the right to turn off water and supplies to Gaza. He has since retracted those comments, but Mm. they have really resonated um, up and down the country, um, in particularly British Muslim communities. They're still upset in Rochdale over that uh, and upset over the position. So... uh, I think that we may well see people voting in in great numbers um, 
as sort of a protest against Labour. We also have some statistics from the Labour Muslim Network Mm -hmm. that obviously Bloomberg can't check, but that um, the party support among the British Muslim population has dropped from 86% to an estimated 60% since 2019. So there, there, there are problems there under the surface. Thanks to our associator, Alva Ray, who, of course, will get on after the by-election. A full list of candidates in the Rochdale by-election can be found on the Rochdale Borough Council website. So the other area that's been raised by the vote this week is the increasing fear people in public office have about violence, harassment and the abuse they face for being involved in politics. Alice Perry is the former chair of Labour's National Executive Committee and a former councillor in the borough of Islington. Thank you for joining us, Alice. What's it like to work in politics? So especially if you're in local government or an elected representative that, you know, people see it as a public role, but really it's kind of semi-public because most people have full-time jobs and work as well so the amount of abuse that local councillors staff and MPs get it's increasing and it's becoming normalized like people kind of see it as it's fair game to um, not just you know criticism that's completely fair and part of like political discourse but like kind of abuse uh, and intimidation that kind of started increasing online as everything became more polarized over the last like five years Mm. but um spills over into real life and so some of the things that you know i've experienced or um people would talk about experiencing in their communities um like my friend had her car firebombed and like you know that's the kind like explain that to like a kind of colleague in um they were like no but that couldn't have happened i'd have heard about that that would have been on the news but this kind of stuff doesn't even you know register with like national news i had it's not funny but you do you remember the insults when people were calling each other gammons at one yes, council on was in a supermarket so he was in a supermarket and like someone threw a gammon at him and like wow, it sounds okay. funny but <laughs> it's well, not like, if it hits you i imagine that's not <laughs> no funny at all I had like an Islington councillor who made a controversial licensing decision. So people then threatened to rape her on X and someone ended up going going to prison for it. I had a stalker who was sectioned. And like, Alice, no, this, is, this is turning into a very, very long <laughs> list of really, I mean, pretty horrifying things if you're trying to do a job day to day. You say that, that you feel that that sort of abuse has increased is it is it getting worse and more severe because there's also a kind of discussion about how much security and safety should be put in place to you know to to certainly for MPs but that's probably not at councillor level yeah absolutely i think it's positive that people are talking about it because one of the things that when you experience this you don't want to talk about it publicly because it will upset mm. your family and also there's a kind of sense that you know people are expected to shrug it off or laugh it off it kind of was seen as like something that goes with the territory so the fact that people are talking about it more i mean the shocking thing is and we don't think about this more often but two mps have been murdered and like that is actually quite terrifying it puts Mm. a lot of people off standing for elected office because they just don't want the hassle that goes with it and you know that might just be the kind of online abuse but the whole kind of package that if we want to have a diverse group of people standing for um parliament and standing to be councillors and getting involved in public life then there has to be 
um, you know, boundaries and there has to be safety. There's got to be mm. more money invested in people's security. Like a lot of counsellors don't have any security at their surgeries. Their addresses are published online. Often their addresses are published on ballot papers. So, um, and, you know, people feel, and you hear this like a lot in the discourse today from certain groups that they feel it's acceptable to turn up at people's homes and protest their homes when their families are inside. And like this, people kind of have this sense that if they really believe in their cause, it justifies any kind of behaviour. And the boundaries about what is acceptable and normal kind of get blurred. And as I say, people are expected to just kind of shrug it off and deal with it and you know be tough to it. Mm-hmm. And actually, it, it's as we go into a general election that might be you know very divisive. They might be dealing with like cultural issues or you know the stakes will be very high. That we need to make sure that we have the public debate in a way that um, you know respects all sides of the political divide and can be about like ideas and policy and vision for the country rather than like just abusing different individuals well i appreciate you come from a very strong labor tradition alice but in your experience who is it in politics who is getting the most of this abuse is it you know people in the labor party versus people in the conservative party is it but on a gender line how do this how's it kind of how is it everyone and it doesn't really matter who you are as long as you're in public office you're seen as a target how does it splinter out well, that's a great question. And like to an extent, it is everyone. But then people who are more visible get it more. And the people who are more visible tend to be people from um, non-traditional groups or groups that are uh, that kind of make you stand out more. So uh, female MPs get it more. Jewish MPs get it more. Um, black MPs and Asian MPs get it more. Um, and, you know, like the abuse, for example, Diane Abbott will get compared to, say, John McDonald saying the same thing on social media will be, um, I think at one point, Dan Abbott got the most abuse out of any mm. uh, political figure online. And, like, you know, it's horrific, the abuse that, um, like, Jewish um, politicians get, for example. Um, um, Alice, does it put you off, you know, being as engaged um, in politics? Does it put others off? I mean... It's a question that's been asked before, hasn't it? Um, but I think, as you say, a hugely important moment this year in terms of a general election. Is that the real worry that that um, it will lead to, you know, less political participation? Definitely. So I was co-chair of um, the local government Labour Group's Women Leadership Task Force. And we were looking at what the barriers were that pre- preventing women from standing. And this was like something that got raised time and again, that the abuse that people get does really put, it puts normal people off being involved in politics. You know, from going to a party meeting that um, might have like a kind of toxic culture to like the abuse you get online to being abused on the street and, you know, for wearing your rose out or whatever. And that it crosses, you know, this is a cross-party thing. Um, we need to you know, really look at this because it's endangering democracy, to be honest. We need people from all walks of life to feel they can get involved in politics and that politics for them. And so this is something that does need to be addressed and there needs to be resources behind it because, frankly, the police don't have the resources to deal with this. On, on that and, and I- where we put these resources, Alice, like I, I was struck by your comment about visibility. Something that is extremely visible right now is obviously the Israel-Hamas war. And that seems to be driving up, if you look at the police statistics, you know, anti-Semitism uh, and also Islamophobia across the country. Is that something that you're seeing in sort of Labour Party politics and local politics as well? Um, 
so obviously um well i used to um when i was on the national executive committee used to deal with um a lot of the complaints that would adjudicate the cases and there was an absolute avalanche of anti-semitic abuse and also it intersected with like misogyny anti-black racism islamophobia uh, anti-lgbc hate as well like an enormous rise in um, in the cases we saw over the years and um it's you know really positive that labor have taken a lot of steps to address this and their uh, ehrc action plan has done a lot as well but the actual statistics you get of hate crimes um since the 7th of october is really shocking and um, something that does need to be properly addressed and to ensure that everyone feels safe and feels they can make mm. their point and have a kind of respectful discussion about, you know, really emotive, important political issues. And that there's no hierarchy as well of like um, discrimination and all discrimination is wrong and should be dealt with. Alice, thank you so much for being with us on the Bloomberg UK Politics podcast to talk about this. And it is a hugely important issue and one that deserves a a lot of focus and more support. Alice Perry, former chair of Labour's National Executive Committee and also a former councillor in the borough of Islington. Thank you so much for your time. Joining us now for a broader discussion about the rising dangers facing MPs is Sue Moore. Sue is the CEO of the Joe Cox Foundation, set up in memory of the Labour MP, Joe Cox, who was murdered on her way to meet constituents in 2016. Sue, thank you very much for spending the time with us. Is the situation for politicians in the UK getting worse? Definitely, yes. Uh, We think that this isn't a new issue, but it is certainly something that's been getting worse, certainly over the last 10 years. If you talk to politicians who either kind of served uh, served previously or have been serving for a long time, they will all tell you that this is an issue that has got worse over time. In fact, uh, the chair of the foundation is Jackie Smith, who used to be the Home Secretary, and she says that she she doesn't recognise really the state of uh, abuse and intimidation in politics uh, compared to her time when she was Home Secretary. What do you think is driving that environment? Um in terms of British politics? Is it the culture wars? Is it about the uh, Israel-Hamas war? Is it something specific if you say that there is this big increase? I think there's a number of different reasons why we're seeing this happening. I think one of the things is that we've had a number of so yes, no uh, issues that that uh, have divided people. So that's not just Brexit, but also independence in Scotland. When we've spoken to some Scottish uh, MPs, they've said that actually... That was when they first started to receive a lot of abuse back in 2014. So I think there is that issue that when you've got those very divisive uh, uh, problems, then people sort of forget how to have those civilised debates because everything becomes one side or the other. So I think that's certainly an issue. I think there's also an issue with social media. I mean, I don't think that's the only part of the problem, but certainly the ease with which people can now target abuse at politicians is really different. You don't have to send an email or or write a letter. So one of the things that we talk about in our recent uh, Joe Cox Civility Commission report that we published is an instance, for example, where Jess Phillips got 600 rape threats in just one night on Twitter. The, the amount of abuse that now can be can be pushed forward to MPs, I think that's one of the things that's changed as well. With such a complex problem, are there transparent, easy, possible solutions? 
I wouldn't say there are any easy solutions, but we think there are solutions. So the piece of work that I just mentioned, the Joe Cox Civility Commission, uh, we launched our recommendations uh, earlier this year. So we took as the starting point of that piece of work that this issue is incredibly complex and it requires efforts from people across different sectors. So that's social media companies, as I've mentioned. It's also the government, political parties themselves, um, police and security services. Uh, and we think there's also a big role there, for example, in political education. Mm. So we've put forward 28 recommendations, which we think will make a difference. And some of those are things that will make a difference in the short term. So we'll help the safety of those people who are currently serving. So those are things around sort of guidance, for example, really clear guidance on what level of abuse needs to be reported to the police. Yeah. And there are some things that we know are going to be much longer term, for example, things like political education. Sure. In terms of the police, um, there is discussion about backing wider police powers in order to disperse protests outside or around Parliament. Is that a threat to democracy? Is it a sort of necessary precaution in your view? So we wouldn't go as far as to say that there needed to be new legislation around uh, dispersing protests, particularly outside Parliament and, and actually even outside MPs' offices. One thing that we do feel really strongly about is protests outside uh, MP and, and wider politicians' homes as well. And we've seen a number of examples of that in, in the most recent weeks. And actually that, even if it's not illegal, is a real uh, intimidatory tactic, particularly for MPs who uh, have their family, their kids at home. You know, that's that's something that is is really frightening, potentially, if you've got a group of protesters outside your house. Sue Moore, CEO of the Joe Cox Foundation, thank you very much for joining us on Bloomberg UK Politics. Yeah, I think some very important points that are being made from the foundation there about how to deal with the intimidation of MPs. I think this is going to be an issue really for the whole rest of the year. The by-election in Rochdale, of course, being next Thursday. That's it from us for today. If you like the programme, don't forget to subscribe. Give it five stars so that other people can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. This episode was produced by Tiwa Adebayo and our audio engineer was Marufal Hussain. I'm James Wilcock. And I'm Caroline Hecker. We'll be back with more next week. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.